on the Dallas Opera Network. You're listening to Opera Box Score. Uh, let's get ready to rumble! Wherever you are, however you're listening, it's America's Talk Radio Show about opera. It's Opera Box Score. I'm George Cedarquist. I'm joined this week by Oliver Camacho, Weston Williams, and Ashley Hardgrave. All right, this week, Chalk Talk, we take a look at the Metropolitan Opera's recently announced 22-23 season, including five David McVicker shows, four new productions, three Traviata casts, two Yonjava role debuts, and a partridge in a pear tree, plus two-minute drill. Yeah, there's definitely one artist who won't be appearing on stage at Lincoln Center this year. You're watching on TDO. Make sure you subscribe to the podcast, whole thing. Stitcher, Spotify, you click follow. Apple Podcasts, hit that plus sign. You can also send us a voice memo. You can email us your hot takes, operaboxscore at gmail.com. Get your voice heard. Get that OBS beer coaster and OBS lapel pin just for sharing your own hot take. Oliver Camacho, he's got that lapel pin right on the on the um, uh, spit guard there. Don't the you want it, people? Don't you want to have one of these for yourself? See <laughs> how handsome it is? For those of you who are listening, the, the unsettling squares. sound you're hearing is Oliver stroking it very seductively. Gently caressing his OBS lapel Weston pin. Weston Williams, don't touch your microphone, whatever you do. Oh, absolutely not. I that uh, I learned my lesson, my mistake last time when I when I I, I literally one time broke my, a microphone live on the air, which was not ideal, but um, that's just live radio, baby, and we roll with it. Ashley, you may touch your microphone. Thank you. I'll do it right now. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Can we talk for a hot second about Brittany Griner and how she's been detained in Russia for weeks and we're just now hearing about it? She's yeah. a WNBA player. She was caught with hashish oil cartridges in her luggage at a Russian airport. Uh, and the reason that she was in Russia is because she plays over there in the off season. She's currently being detained. We have no idea if or when or how we're ever going to be able to get her out. But I think one of the more important things, you know, besides getting her home, is the idea that WNBA players are playing overseas in their offseason because they make more money over there than they do here in the <laughs> States in the WNBA. She makes uh, at the max for the WNBA, which is around 228 uh, here for her season. She's making over a million dollars playing for the Russian team that she plays for in the offseason. Wow. Four times the amount in Russia that she's being paid in the WNBA. Yep. Yeah. Mike Krzyzewski, the coach of Duke basketball, retires at the end of this year. The regular season is over for Duke. Of course, they will be in the uh, March Madness playoffs. He coached for 42 years. At Jeez. Duke, which is utterly insane until you realize that someone like Placido Domingo, regardless of what you think of him, has been <laughs> singing for over 60 years i was wowed by 42 years in basketball and then i had to what? put that in perspective did you see uh the the clip of him after the game when he was addressing the crowd and he was telling them the performance in the game was unacceptable that's <laughs> what you call a competitor let's talk some opera <laughs> chalk talk on Opera Box School. Ah, uh, the Metropolitan Opera, that's in New York City, by the way, has released its 22-23 season a few weeks ago. We're just getting to it now. Ready to do a deep dive and a big breakdown for you. 22 shows on the slate. Matt Cummings 
helped us break this down and then yeah we will we will show tonight we will get i know matt we're happy to have ashley it's been a while uh but let's just go through (laughs) this this chronologically because there's 22 to get through and we'll try to talk about the talking points of each one starting in september uh the season opener is medea by kerubini yeah an an opera that matt stands if somebody can uh add matt's comments here but it's a david mcbicker production that's the first one (laughs) uh it will be conducted by carlo rizzi it will be available as an hd broadcast and it stars uh sandra radvanovsky and we were we are all uh sandra and the sandra hive as matt likes to say (laughs) and it's also going to have janai brooker who is another friend of the show that we deeply deeply stand and matthew Uh, polanzani another friend of the show Yay, yay. And if I you're playing the, uh, I, I was going to say, if you're also playing the uh, David McVicker drinking uh, g- uh, drinking game, go ahead and take a shot Got because it. this is just the first of many. <laughs> okay, moving on to uh, The Hours, uh, a Kevin Putz opera. Not a Philip Glass opera, as you might have thought. Yeah, uh, I thought that was yeah. weird. Yeah, because uh, the will... score is so iconically Philip, you know, and uh, and and he and I mean, no hate to Kevin puts whatsoever, but I think it's interesting that uh, that they did not. Well, maybe they did seek him out, and Philip Glass said no. But uh, I think it's uh, I think it's interesting. the The director, though, Phelan McDermott, love him uh, from Akhenaten, yeah, from Akhenaten and Satyagraha fame. Again, Glass, what what are you doing? Um, it's gonna have um, I believe. And wasn't he the director of Adam's Family as well? Yes, he was. Yes, <laughs> I believe so. Yeah. Yes. Uh, uh, he's gonna. Uh, it's gonna have Renee Fleming, Kelly O'Hara, and Joyce DiDonato. Uh, all together having a good time, uh, which I think is going to be kind of fun. And I think it'll be honestly a highlight of the season. Um, I think it's, uh, again, all, no hate to Philip Glass, but I, I am excited to hopefully see it if I can. Kevin I is an effective modern contemporary composer, of course, best known for Silent Night, which came mm. out in the early 2010s. This is going to be a great production. So Matt it says sure Kevin is. Putz is an interesting composer. His music can be really effective and modern, but also pleasant and easy to listen to. So yeah. Matt is excited about this one. I am too. This actually is the one that I'm the most excited about all season. I actually might like make the trip to New York just to go and see this. Uh, not just because of the three ladies up top. Kelly O'Hara, someone was like, it's her Met debut. I'm like, actually, it's not. She debuted in 2014, but I digress. Uh, but I'm also <laughs> really excited to see some of the other roles. Brandon Sidell, Kyle Kettleson, Sean Panikar, John Holiday, uh, Kathy Kim. That's I'm right, so yeah. excited to see Kathy Kim. It's going to be, a, I'm, I'm really jazzed about this. So moving on to uh, Fedora by Umberto Giordano. For which all you hat open- lovers out there. Which will open up New Year's Eve and will be available as an HD broadcast. Uh, Sonia Yoncheva making her, well, I, I, I'm sure she's sung it somewhere else, but uh, this is the first time that she's singing it at the Met because this is the first time the Met's done this opera in 25 years. So it's got to be her first time at the Met. Um, so Piotr Bachawa, Rosa Feola, Artur Ruczynski, an amazing baritone, and Sonia Yoncheva. Uh, so a great quartet for an opera I know very little about, except that it's veristic. 
Does Matt have some comment about this one? Yeah, he uh, he's mostly commenting on uh, Yoncheva in Fedora. He says, it's interesting to see her taking on a role so associated with past it divas, since it doesn't stretch the high range. Um, he says he's a fan of hers, but her recent singing has been really uneven. So we'll see what happens. Oh. This is uh, David McVicker production number two. Oh, shot. Drink. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> um, moving on to uh, a show in... Uh, February, Wagner's Lohengrin, conducted by Yannick Nézès again, which will premiere February 26th. Uh, The choreography was originally going to be the Bolshoi, right? But then they decided that they have to go a different direction. So we haven't, we don't know what's going to happen with that choreography. I didn't know there was a big choreography number (laughs) in there, but... um, They're probably doing like the French version or something. Yeah, so this would be... This will star... (laughs) Uh, this will star Piotr Bachawa in the title Gerky, role, and Gerky, which is exciting. Gerky, yes, Gerky, very excited about Gerky. <laughs> Christina Gerky singing the role of Ortrude. Uh, there will also be Günther Groisbach, my husband, as King Heinrich. So good. And uh, Elsa will be split between Tamara Wilson, friend of the show, and mm-hmm. Alina Stikina. Uh, any other comments here from the Peanut Gallery? I mean, I. Mathis- I Matt's been wanting to hear Bachala sing it live since he did it with Tilaman. He will almost certainly steal that show, as uh, that character tends to do. The rest of the cast will put up a fight. Come on, guys. We are Gerky stands in this household. We know yes, who's going to lead are. this whole thing. <laughs> Moving on to April, a Met premiere of Terrence Blanchard's Champion, yes. uh, which stars my friend, Ryan Speedogan. He's not really my friend, but I met him, and I'd like to think that we're <laughs> friends. But <laughs> Is that a drink, uh, but, too? I, I don't know. Yeah, not, but I mean... Not, not yet. Uh, I forget what happened last month, uh, but something about Ryan Speedo Green being named like artist in residence or something like that, that the, the Met is trying to make Ryan Speedo Green into a, 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 the next big star. He's doing fine without the Met's help, but he definitely has been chosen by Peter Gallup as like, we want to, right. you know, give you an encore. You're going to sing Amaze Me and you're going to have to sing it twice, you know, so mm-hmm. yeah. except that basses don't have to sing that aria. Uh, Latanya Moore <laughs> is going to be in that show. And you were, you were commenting, Weston, about um, this is another Terrence Blanchard opera two yes. in a row. Yeah, well, uh, on, on the one hand, I think it's amazing because the Met has has a track record of whenever they do a progressive um, uh, new opera, they tend to like be like, that's enough for a while. You know, I think of like, you know, the, the Met did uh, the first opera the Met did by a woman was like in 1906 by Ethel Smythe. And yeah, then the not again until <laughs> until uh, Sariao did it in like 2015, whenever that was. Uh, so I think having two in a row is great. I would encourage the Met to keep the POC composers going, but maybe not do Terrence Blanchard, No Hate Tim Whatsoever a third time. I think it'd also be interesting for the Met to kind of explore some uh, underappreciated uh, operas by um, black composers who um, who have never had their stuff uh, put up on a big on a big stage before like a uh, Harry Lawrence Freeman or someone uh, like that you know uh, they have the resources for it it helps you know create that sense of continuity so that, that it's not just a new phenomenon I remember a lot of um, uh, somewhat uninformed takes for fire shut up in my bones saying uh, people uh, uh, incorrectly saying that uh, fire shut up in my bones is the first opera by a black person, which is not remotely true. Uh, and so I would like the Met to help uh, maybe try to expand that a little bit. Uh, but 
I am excited to see it. It's a sports opera about boxing. Very on brand for us. That's probably This is probably the one opera I'm most excited for this season. It's going to be on the live in HD in April of next year. Of course, uh, James Robinson directing this piece. He's the artistic director at Opera Theater of St. Louis. I will say, when you read the press release from the Met... It says, quote, uh, director James Robinson oversees the staging. So, hey, here's a little pro tip. If you want to really <laughs> belittle a director, say that they oversee the staging. Right? Because <laughs> that's not actually what we do. You know, the singers, you know, they kind of direct themselves, but he just makes sure. Yeah. Um, so it's I'm sorry. Go ahead, Ashley. He's just making sure nobody falls down. No, everybody in the <laughs> cast for Champion is very exciting to me. Uh, Latanya Moore, Speedo Green, Owens, Meredith Arwoody is going to be there. Very yes. excited. So moving on to May, we have uh, two Natalie Stutzmann shows. She's yeah, conducting so Magic exciting. Flute and uh, uh, Don, Giovanni. Don Giovanni. The first first up is Don Giovanni, and I'm sure... George, you have something to say about the uh, production. It's the Ivan Ivo Van yeah, Hova. Ivo Van Hova is one of the most brilliant theater and opera directors working on this planet right now. He's been doing it for a number of years. Of course, it's not surprising. I this it's going to be live in HD. Thank you, Lord, for doing that. I wish I could go to New York and see this. I will tell you right now, it will be abstract and it will blow thy mind. <laughs> you say so. Ying Fang is singing Zerlina in that production, and we oh, stand so fan, fan, fan of the sh- friend of the show. Uh, and then in the Magic Flute, Catherine Lewick, uh, she's one of my personal heroes. Um, remember, we talked about her when we were talking about like uh, body issues, body image issues, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and um, she just also is an amazing singer. <laughs> Aaron Morley. She doesn't have those issues. She shut down the people who were trying. (laughs) Exactly. Yeah. Two friends of the show in this show as well. uh, Aaron Morley as Pamina Mm -hmm. and Larry Brownlee as Tamino. Um, Okay. Moving on to, and that is also in HD in June. That's the Magic Flute production. Now, here's the thing, right? Is that on the Mets count, that would be allowed as a new production. Of course, that production has actually been Dutch National Opera. English National Opera and the X Festival starting back in, in 2013. Perhaps so you better is, called a lightly used production. Well, this is basically the opera. Okay, imagine this, right? So like you have you have a carton of milk in your fridge that has been there since 2013. Like it's unopened, but would you drink it? It's new to you. <laughs> I mean, it's cheese at this point and it might taste good again. So, you know. So some revivals, uh, Ida Maneo in September with uh, Michael Spires, who I'm a big fan of. Um, and I believe I'm Ying, about that. Yeah, Ying Fang singing Ilya and uh, Kate Lindsay, my girlfriend slash boyfriend uh, in the role of Ida Monte. So I would I would definitely go to see that. Listen to that. Then we have uh, a Weston choice. This is this is all me, baby. Lady Macbeth of Matensk. Um <laughs> Uh, I'm so, with Eva Marie Westbrook uh, and uh, Brandon uh, Jovanovich, uh, and I I am just I love this opera so much. It is not done nearly enough. Uh, friend of the show, I believe, uh, Carolyn Wilson. Uh, yes. She's yep. conducting this, which is interesting because uh, it feels a little bit. Uh, um, uh, what's the word when you put family members in positions of power? Yeah, uh, incestuous nepotism. nepotistic <laughs> nepotism. That's the word. Thank you. Um, uh, just because you know she is uh, Peter Gelb's uh, wife, but I do think that she would, is a great choice for it. Um, uh, 
nepotism aside. And I am I'm very, very excited to see it. I never saw the original uh, staging, so um, I, I don't know anything about it, but I love the opera so this much. Is, this is the Graham Vick production. What's interesting looking at the production photos is that this is not the graphic bloodthirsty, sexually explicit Lady Macbeth that I, for one, would like to see. <laughs> so uh, a little bit of news in the October production of Tosca, uh, Angela Gheorghiu returning. We'll see. She's famous for her cancellations, but uh, <laughs> that is a big role for her. Um, I mean, a really star role for her. And I'd be interested to, to hear her, um, you know, come back to the Met in a diva role like that. Peter Grimes uh, is going to be returning. Uh, that is going to have Alan Clayton in the title role. Uh, Nicole Carr. Uh, did she win? Yeah, she beat Yvonne Kenny in the Fyodor Ligi face-off. So now yeah. it's time for her to see if she can really deliver the goods. Uh, and Peter Grimes coming up. Then La Traviata has Sorry, three cast. Sorry, just on, on Peter Grimes. What is so gorgeous about this production is that it's directed by John Doyle. You might know John Doyle from doing a number of Broadway musicals where the actors also play the instruments. That's kind of his thing. Mm. Looking at the production photos for this Peter Grimes, it is just so incredibly gorgeous. The lighting designer is Peter Mumford. Ah, man. Is is this on HD, this one? Nope. I, I think they did it on HD a couple years ago, though. Yeah. Uh, I can't remember. And I forgot to mention Laura Wilde uh, as one of the Ellen Orfords, and she is uh, from the Ryan Opera Center, and she's outstanding. Uh, moving on, as we said, Traviata will have three casts, Nadine Sierra, Ermanolo Yajo. I think that's the first time Ermanolo Yajo is coming to the Met. I'm not sure, but she's a big deal in Europe, and we're finally getting a chance to hear her over here. And Angel Blue, very Angel. excited about that. Yeah. Uh, moving on to more revivals, Don Carlo, not Don Carlos. Yeah. Don Carlo with an O. The Italian version, the much, much shorter <laughs> version. Just if, if you couldn't four and sit a half through hours the as one... opposed to five hours. <laughs> if you couldn't sit through the one this season, you're going to have a, a little bit of a, a break this time. Uh, yeah. I think it's very interesting that they're doing kind of the kind of back to back. I don't know what the function of that is, um, but they kind of did it, you know, uh, this season with doing the the other version of of Boris Gunov after recently doing uh, the 1879 version, and they did 1862. I'm getting the, the the years wrong, but I don't know what it is. But they're like, what How if we did you. it again, but slightly different? You know what I mean? Yeah, I'll still this see it. This is the uh, uh, David McVicker production number oh. three. Oh, yep. shot. There okay, it is. take a break. Um, so that's going Got to it. have Russell Thomas, friend of the show, and Angela Mead, as well as Anita Rochvillishvili, yes. uh, and Peter Matei. And Under Tropico was supposed to be singing in this production. We'll see if she's invited back. Whoops. By then. We'll see. That's a no. <laughs> <laughs> and my husband, Gunther Grosbach, as King Philip. Uh, moving on, Rigoletto uh, coming back with Quinn Kelsey and Rosa Fiola, which they did not outstanding job. Already yay. Already yay. Creating an opportunity for Benjamin Bernheim to make his Met yeah. debut friend of the show. Yes, please. And this is not the Vegas Rigoletto. No, this is the one that they just did. Um, exactly. Great this yeah. is the 20s, uh, 30s. It's not nearly yeah. as exciting, and I have no interest <laughs> in seeing this. More revivals. Aida starring Latanya Moore and Michelle Bradley. We are getting Michelle Bradley uh, this month in Tosca. Actually, the, the 
opening night is this weekend, so I cannot wait to hear her. I remember her singing Clotilda in Norma a couple years ago and thinking she's going to steal the show. This Clotilda has like three lines and she's that good. So very excited uh, about hearing Michelle Brad. Correct me if I'm wrong, but didn't they say they were going to retire this production? I feel like they were making a big deal a couple years ago how like it was the last time they were ever going to do it and, and they're just dragging out of mothballs for the 45th time. Well, if, okay. if they did if they did retire it, they would also be cutting out the only female director on the entire Met roster for mm, this season. Sonia Frizzell was the director of this idea. Is it something that appeals to me? Not particularly. But for the Met to have 22 productions and, and only one... one female director... I do the math. I, the Met has done well in getting women and people of color on the podium. What are they doing in terms of getting those same people behind the tech table and on that stage bowing at the curtain call on opening night? Amen. Agreed. I will say, though, that the cast for this is very – it's it's going to be a good time no matter which day you go because you've got Latanya Moore and Michelle Bradley. You've also got Rashville Ashili coming back to do some Omneris. You've got uh, Quinn Kelsey, friend of the show, coming back as Almanzaro. Yay, Christian Van Horn. So, like, you're going to have a good time when you go see this. They also are going to do the holiday version of the Magic Food, I, I assume, as a different production than the Simon – what's his name? Uh, it's, it's the Julie Taymor joint. Yes. So, and that will have friend of the show Solomon Howard singing Zarastro. Oh, nice. Uh, in January, revival of Elixir of Love, which will feature friend of the show Amanda Woodbury um, and Golda Schultz will be, and Alexander Korsak. So there's three Adinas for this Elixir. And Javier Camarena uh, alternating with Xavier Anduaga. I don't know who this guy is, but those are the Nemorinos. It's the Bartlett Share production. Then coming up later on is Dialogues of the Carmelites with uh, a as what is uh, a fire cast. What's going on here? What's your reaction here? I, it's fine. I'm not thrilled. I'm not. It's not that I'm not thrilled. I think this is fine. This is not one that excites me. Why? I mostly because I don't really care that much about dialogue. Okay, well, <laughs> if I'm has, honest, because Eileen Perez and Sabine Devier. Uh, making her Met great debut. Singers. Yeah, yes. I love Eileen Perez. I think it's a great choice Jamie, for her. Jamie Barton singing Mary Marie and Alice Coote as Coote Madame de Quasi. Uh, I'm excited about this. I love this show, and I think that it's uh, it's very powerful. But it um, desperately needs a different production, though. Okay. This is uh, yeah. the, the John Dexter production, which is yeah not yeah. super exciting. Well, uh. Matt says this dialogue's cast is fire and that production True. is so incredible. So this is we could have had a nice could have had a nice debate, but Matt, you're not here, so we lose. So we win. Uh, yeah. Um Norma coming back in February in that David McVicker okay. production. Yay. Yay. Said nobody ever. Uh with uh Sonia Yancheva <laughs> making her uh Met role debut in this I believe this is her role debut in this opera. So I mean yeah, she's singing Fedora and Norma, which are two of the most diva-ist, diva-ist yeah. roles there can be. So great season for Sonia. Uh and Michael Spires will be singing Polione. And what a surprise. It's all grayscale and monochrome. <laughs> in March, a revival of Falstaff, which will have Eileen Perez as Alice Ford and Raliche. And I support that. Remember, uh, I think we talked about, uh, oh no, Christine Gerke said that she loves Alice Ford because like, she never gets a chance to be funny on stage. But, you know, right. here's 
Um, a little side note here. This is the uh, Robert Carson production, which has definitely been around the block. But when I was at the Merrill program, I directed on the same set that they are using. Drink. For the That's Robert also Carson a drink. <laughs> the Rose and also, um, oh. oh, sorry. One more shout out to Jennifer Johnson Cano, who just finished a really beautiful bit of a nine here in Chicago with the symphony. She's going to be singing Meg in that production. The Rosen Cavalier comes back with Lisa Davidson uh, as yeah. the Marshallin, Isabel Leonard as Octavian. That's her role debut. And the return of Aaron Morley as Sophie with Gunter Groesbeck. God, it's a good year for Gunter. Yeah. Uh, a- and that's the Robert Carson production. I oh, love, my God. I love this cast. I'm so excited for it. And this, the design on this is so gorgeous. Each act has such a clear vision. Actually, Oliver, I think you and I went to see this together, met in HD some years ago. Really? Is that okay. possible? Yeah, that, that's possible. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I'm glad that <laughs> moment really meant something to you. Yeah, like it, it, it really me, stuck but... in his head. <laughs> um, La Boheme coming back, uh, the Zeffirelli with Eleano, Eleonora Burrato and Stephen Costello. And there's also a cast that includes Charles Casanova and Susanna Phillips making a promotion from uh, uh, Musetta to Mimi, which is interesting. Um, so... Huh. This, yes, it this, is. This is the Zeffirelli production of, of Bowen, which surely Speaking has productions that have been around yeah, the, around the block. Here's the thing, though. Later on in the show, you're going to hear fridge, so. about, thank you, of a very different take on La Bowen. We're going to get to that in the two-minute drill, but keep your ears open. And finally, the Flying Dutchman, Jaap van Sweden, will make his highly anticipated Met debut uh, yeah. with Tomasz Kuznetski as the Dutchman and Elsa Vandenhever as Santa. Uh, can, uh, uh, Francois Girard's staging, I believe. Uh, and Ashley wants to just uh, shout out to the web team at the Met. <laughs> uh, and by shout out, I mean, I want to offer my services for design because what you've done is hot garbage. Um, put the shows in chronological order for when they're appearing. Don't put them in alphabetical order on your site. Do you honestly think anybody's going to be able to read and interpret that? Peter, call me. This is ridiculous. I know you got a lot going on. You're actually trying to be a good person, and I appreciate that. But my God, we got to get this web team under control. We have well, a meeting next Thursday. They are they are a, a repertoire. I mean, a um, what am I saying, George? Yeah, Stagione, a repertoire house. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, so, so they do shows many times throughout the season so it's not yeah just don't one care show them in order i, I think the title actually it, this this appeals to my obsessive compulsive nature to have these listed alphabetically although like i'm trying to figure out if l'elysia d'amore should be under l or e, e. <laughs> yeah lots to uh yeah. talk about lots to enjoy <laughs> at the net um wow that is an overwhelming season let's hope it all happens Feels like it's yeah. gonna happen. Fingers right? crossed. Feels like we're gonna we're gonna do a thing. Okay. Don't That's say that out loud, George. I think I just uh, cursed it. Gonna talk a little bit of sports before we get into the two minute drill. Ashley, someone is on your SH one T list. Uh yeah, Ivan Kuyak, a Russian gymnast. He sucks. Um he went to compete, and when he was on the podium at a World Cup event in Doha, Qatar, he was while standing next to a Ukrainian gymnast wearing a taped onto his uniform Z symbol for war. Uh. So to review, Russian gymnast wearing war symbol next to Ukrainian gymnast on a podium at a competition. He sucks. He does suck. The Major League Soccer season 
has started yes. here what in, about it? in the U.S. Um, the uh, So Charlotte Football Club, Charlotte, North Carolina, has a brand new soccer team. They play in the Carolina Panthers Stadium, and they have set the new Major League Soccer attendance record, 74,479. That was for their home opener, which they lost to the LA Galaxy. So basically 75,000 people. I mean, those are like premiership league soccer attendance numbers. You know, Manchester United can pull 70 or 80,000. Chelsea can pull 80,000. For a major league soccer team to pull that is incredible. By comparison, the fire had its own personal home opener record set at 25,000 on the same day. What I will say in the fire's defense is that they have thankfully gotten rid of the interim logo that they had. They're now on their third logo. The first one was amazing. The current one is amazing. The second one basically looked like someone had dropped a hot dog with ketchup and mustard condiments on it face down onto a mud puddle. And as a Chicagoan, your big objection was the ketchup. Abso-freaking-lutely, that is a problem. Yes, that logo was a real problem. Two-minute drill, not a problem. It is right now. This just in, the two-minute drill. All right, listen up. Here's everything you need to know about what happened in Opera Land this week. We are recording on March 7th, and all news, operatic or otherwise, is dominated by the crisis in Ukraine. As global condemnation of Russia's attack on Ukraine grows, cultural institutions have moved with surprising speed to put pressure on Russian artists to distance themselves from Vladimir Putin. A collision of arts and politics that's forcing organizations to confront questions about free speech. Arts administrators are finding themselves in the midst of one of the most politically charged issues in recent decades, with little in the way of experience to draw on. Stating that the company will not engage with artists who support Putin, Anna Netrebko has been replaced by Ukrainian soprano Lyudmila Monastryska in an upcoming Metropolitan Opera production of Turindo. It is a great artistic loss for the Met and for opera, said Peter Gelb. Anna is one of the greatest singers in Met history, but with Putin killing innocent victims in Ukraine, there was no way forward. In what is probably highly eloquent in the original German, Jonas Kaufmann has joined other marquee artists like Sonia Yoncheva, Nina Muchaija, Anita Rashvelishvili, and Pyotr Bechawa in spe- speaking out against Putin's war on Ukraine. Appointed as a UN ambassador last fall, the German tenor goes on to invoke Benjamin Britten's pacifism, Theresian shot composer Victor Ullmann, and somehow Visi Darte? If any one of our listeners has been able to make sense of this obtuse anti-war statement, please summarize for us and we'll send you a free OBS lapel pin. Meanwhile, Teatro La Scala has announced that Maria Agresta will take over all performances of Adriana Le Couvreur from aforementioned problematic Russian anti-vax soprano Netrebko, who withdrew from the production. However, La Scala has added additional performances for tenor Yusuf Avazov, a.k.a. Mr. Netrebko, replacing Freddy de Tommaso, who tested positive for COVID. More Met support for Ukraine continues with the Met Chorus singing the Ukrainian national anthem before the February 28 performance of Don Carlos. The recent announcement of a March 14 benefit concert for Ukraine and Peter Gell meeting with Ukraine's ambassador to the United Nations, Sergei Kizlitsia. 
Meanwhile, in Ukraine, the Opera House has fallen victim to Russian missiles. Rockets destroyed multiple buildings in Freedom Square, the cultural heart of Kharkiv, Ukraine's second largest city. Michigan Opera Theater is changing its name after more than 50 years as a Detroit cultural anchor. Detroit Opera will be the new name when the company returns to the Detroit Opera House after more than two years for the April 2nd premiere of La Boheme. In trade news, the Edinburgh International Festival has announced the appointment of Nicola Benedetti as its director-designate. She'll become festival director in October and will be the first woman and the first Scot to hold the position since the festival started in 1947. On the disabled list, mezzo-soprano Anita Rashvelishvili has withdrawn from a couple of upcoming performances. In a social media post, Rashvelishvili told followers, After two years of pandemic and a very difficult pregnancy, I felt that I have to be back as soon as possible to be able to support my family and our little angel. But my body is just not working yet. And on this day, March 7th in 1866, it was the birth of Czech bass Robert Polek, uh, in Nova Hradi, a favorite of Antonin Dvorak, he created the role of Lucifer in Devil and Kate and sang in the premiere of Dvorak's Armida. In 1875, gay French composer Maurice Ravel was born. In 1896, one for George, the Grand Duke, the last operetta, the 14th collaboration between Gilbert and Sullivan, had its world premiere in London. In 1905, the Austrian baritone Walter Höfemeyer was born. He created the role of the Count in Richard Strauss's Capriccio and sang in the premiere of Emmerich Kalman's Kaiserin Josephine. In 1929, German baritone, German baritaner Claudio Nicolai was born. He created the role of Stolzius in Die Soldaten, a favorite of Weston, I'm sure. Oh, yeah. In, in 1931, oh, one of my favorites. Madi Mesple, the French soprano, was born. She died about two years ago. Happy birthday to British countertenor Michael Chance, born this day in 1935. And happy birthday to friend of the show, Quinn Kelsey, born in Honolulu. And that is your two-minute drill. Just a little bit of the um, high acid, like champagne vinegar voice of Madi Mesplay that was from Claude Debussy's Chanson de Jeunesse. That was Pierrot with pianist Gabriel Tacchino. One of my favorite voices, but one of those voices that you don't share with other people because they don't get it. But if you get it, <laughs> you and me, we're friends. So. <laughs> Oh, Anna, 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 what are we going to do with you? How are we going to unpack this one? <laughs> what is there to do? What is there to do? It's it's not hard. It's 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 not hard. Everybody's like, oh, she's losing all her jobs. Well, you know what? In the amended words of my friend Whitney Houston, I feel nothing. 
nothing, nothing. <laughs> She's deserved this. She has deserved this for a long time. She has been anti-vax. She has acted like blackface is not that big of a deal. She said sexual assault wasn't real. This is just the latest in a long line of things. If she wants to go and sing for her audience of one at the opera house that she supported in Donetsk, fine. I don't care if I never see her on stage in the West at all ever again. Ashley out. <laughs> I mean, there it is. That's I mean, it's I agree with Ashley so much, but like what's sort of frustrating about it is that now this is what gets her canceled. This, you know, I mean, yes, this is horrendous, but she's yeah, she has a lot of marks against her and it finally took this for Peter Gelb to say, okay. We'll find somebody else. Sonia Yancheva. <laughs> so. Why not? Well, I did hear yeah. some people give some pushback and be like, oh, well, you know, she's maybe she's afraid to speak out. Maybe she's afraid to say, girl, she is nothing if not protected. Okay. A, she has not lived there in a long time. B, she has dual citizenship with another country. She's fine. She's fine. Yeah. She's going to be okay. So, so, so she she was really being set up right as like the face of the Met over the last, you know, five to seven years, basically. Let, let's assume that she's gone. She's not coming back. So who is the Met putting on that poster? Who is going to be the next face of the Met? Ryan Speedo Green, apparently. <laughs> no, I'm not even kidding you. I, no, I think so. I don't, yeah. I don't think you're joking. I think I think. But I mean, it. this goes this goes to the, the first item of the drill. And it actually comes from a article from the New York Times, uh, too close to Putin, institutions vet artists uncomfortably. Russian inva- Russia's invasion of Ukraine has led organizations to reconsider who performs and forces them to confront questions about free speech and p- policing political views. And there were so many stories that came out these past couple of weeks, even, you know, Fox, you know, put their two cents in saying that, you know, <laughs> this is free, this is free speech and we're attacking free speech by canceling on in the tropical music is dying. You know it must cancel- be important, right? When Fox News is all over it. Look, look. <laughs> when was the last time Fox News cared about opera? They didn't. That that guy, that clown, just wanted to write something about cancel culture. I do think that there is something uh, to for for like not for Anna Netrebko because. Honestly, she should have been kicked out so long ago. I think this is the intersection of a lot of points here, right? You know, we've talked a lot about like trying to remove these big stars who can do whatever they want, who will still get jobs, you know, your Levines, Placido Domingos. And then Trepko is not a sexual predator, but like everything else on her list, we should not be venerating a single person to the degree that we do and allow her to get away with things like this when something untoward is going on. What I will say um, is for some others who are who don't have the same clout as an Anna Netrebko, there is a material risk to being in Russia and saying something against Putin. And I, I do think we need to keep that in mind. The free speech issue is, for me, not that big of a deal. I think the problem is like, what if you can't go home? What if you get locked up? What if you get killed even? You know, uh, that is something to consider. Um, and there is a little bit of precedent for stuff like this in the opera world. I think of uh, around World War One, uh, especially at the Metropolitan Opera, where a lot of German operas and German singers were not allowed to sing because they were the enemy during that war. Now, I will say it's a little bit more clear cut who's the bad guy in uh, this particular conflict than in World War One. But there is something lost there when you do feel the need to demand something of singers who might not be in a position to 
safely say something against uh against someone like Vladimir Putin who is you know crazy enough to attack a sovereign nation next door for no reason essentially so i do have some sympathy there it's a compl- it's a complicated issue i do think that i support anna trepko specifically being off stage even gergiev i think should probably be off stage at this point in time but i think there are plenty of smaller performers all the way down the line who I'm more uncomfortable. I think it's worth inquiring and really looking into our souls and saying, are we okay with demanding this of someone who doesn't have these kinds of protections? I agree with you. And believe me, I could yell about Anna for hours and hours. We should probably just have an episode where I just yell about her. <laughs> Yelling about Anna. <laughs> here's Starring Ashley Hardgrave. No one else is on because no one needs to hear this. No, here's what I'll say. Here's what I'll say is that like, the the reason that I get so worked up about this with her specifically, I don't have this feeling that like every artist should take a huge, huge stand. I don't feel like everybody should pick a side. Okay. And people are talking about free speech. Number one, that's an American concept. So, you right. know, we can't really hold people to those same standards if they're not American citizens or they're not working in American houses. The thing that is the rub with her particularly is that she has been so incredibly outspoken and has taken mm-hmm. so many stands <laughs> on so many hot button issues. She's been running her mouth for 15 years. So for her to come back and say, oh, art shouldn't be political. Musicians shouldn't have to take a stand. It's that double standard that yeah. really gets me worked Absolutely. up. Absolutely. And that goes across the board, right? You like, look at um, Ovechkin who plays for hockey for the Washington Capitals. He tried to use the same logic to say, look, as sports people, we're not political. It's like, bro, have you watched? You haven't just watched the Olympics, Ovechkin, because you played in the Olympics. You know that sports is political. We know that art is political. That is part and parcel of what this business is. And you better find a way to thread that needle and talk about peace and freedom and humanity in an eloquent and simple way. Just like Jonas Kaufmann. <laughs> that was oh, not elegant or simple. I, I don't, I'm still trying to figure that out, and I can't parse it. So basically, this, this, um, this, this statement, uh, I will say, we, are, we have been able, unable to find the original german because it seems it was it seems to have been taken from a french website we sort of use google translate and some other translating to like get it get it get through and it it really does not make sense like you get to the end and you're like i think he's against war in general but he start he goes on like these these long tangents about political art and capriccio and then it's like he says at one point does uh does this mean that one must remain neutral in order to not risk one's success? In other words, VC Darte? No, certainly not. As an artist, one should be aware of where the respective strength of one's ability lies. And I'm like, uh, so what, excuse me, Mr. Kaufman, what are you saying? I, I think what he's saying is it do be like that sometimes. I think that's what he's saying. <laughs> we'll, we'll, we'll put a link to the article, at least in French, that we found in the in the show notes to see if Please Any help out us. There can, can try to <laughs> help the brothers and, s- and sisters out at the OBS. Oh my God! Back here in the U.S., uh, Michigan Opera Theater, uh, fifty years young, has changed its name to Detroit Opera. Brand new logo, them. brand new rebound. Listen, as do as we know one, why? I, I I can I'll talk you through it. So first of all, as someone who was raised in Michigan, this right. is a really meaningful gesture because the fact of the matter is is that Michigan Opera Theater as a company did not speak to the state of Michigan. 
There are folks right. up there in the Upper Peninsula. There are folks at <laughs> Grand Rapids Opera who definitely don't think that Michigan Opera Theater is speaking for them or universities a- across the country. The, the company now, it really is, uh, to its credit, is focused on the citizens of Detroit and right. how it can provide art, community, engagement, and uplift so many different voices that are in this much maligned city of Detroit. It's a great move. I'm surprised it took so long. It sounds like they wanted to tie it in with this 50th anniversary. P.S. That logo, it is classic and fresh, and it's got the red and white colors straight out of the Detroit Red Wings playbook. I love it. (laughs) Yeah, and now it matches the other major cultural institutions of the city, the Detroit Symphony, the Joint Public Theater, so everything now matches. Exactly. Michigan Opera Theater was the only tier one opera company at Opera America. The companies are sorted by budget. The only tier one company that had a state in its name as opposed to Oh, interesting. And I think that's really telling as to why it was time for a change. P.S. So the the Detroit Opera, the season continues back at the Detroit Opera House in April with this new production of La Boheme directed by artistic director Yuval Sharon and which does nothing to the show other than plays act four first and then act three and then act two and then act one. I think it's basically a straight up production there's a bit of dialogue that's been added it yeah is, we talked about this when it, when is it when such announced a it. simple gesture classic Yuval Sharon <laughs> it really is it's such a simple gesture and it's going to absolutely turn that show on its head literally uh, Ashley but, we're going to let you uh, round it off with uh, uh, yeah. Anita Good for good for my girl and secret best friend in my heart, even though she doesn't really know it. Anita Rashvelishvili, uh, for coming out publicly and being like, you know what, my, I I feel this pressure to come back, but I'm not ready yet. And as you would remember, true OBS fans, from our Mother's Day episode in 2020, go back to episode mm-hmm. 215. Uh, you will hear a lot of interviews with a lot of women in the art form who feel this intense pressure to go back, either because they feel they need to prove that they can, they need to make money for their families, but good. Good for her for saying, you know what? No, not yet. Not yet. I mean, and she is she is a beast. She works so hard and she's fully ferocious. And so for her to have this the soundness of mind and and the this is gonna be a weird word here, but cocksuredness to be like, you know what, I'm not uh, I'm not ready to come back to this yet. Um, I'm really proud of her for that. And I I want her to be an example for more women in the industry. Let's wrap this show up. Good call, bad call on Opera Box Score. Good call, bad call is how we're going to take you home. Whoever you are, wherever you are, however you're listening, kick it off as always with Oliver Camacho. Well, I guess this is the week that we talk about the Met. Um, The March 14th (laughs) benefit concert that they're doing uh, for Ukraine is going to have the Beethoven 9 the, the last movement of that, the choral movement. Uh, I think it has, um, who is in that? Elsa Vandenhever and I would I think Jamie Barden. I'm not sure who if they've announced the soloist yet, but um, anyway, they literally whipped that together today. Like there was a, earlier today, there was a picture of Peter Gelb taking a picture with the, the Ukrainian 
um, UN ambassador. UN ambassador. And they must have just agreed to do this. And all the artists in chorus and orchestra are going to be putting on a concert a week from today, which is a really quick turnaround Amazing. for an opera company. <laughs> so congratulations to them. And meanwhile, they have one of the hottest tickets on their hand right now. Liza Davidson or Lisa Davidson singing Ariadne mm. with Brenda Ray, friend of the show, uh, singing Zibrinetta and Isabel Leonard, supposedly outstanding as the wow. composer and Brendan Ivanovich's Bacchus. I mean, that's a killer cast. Weston Williams. Uh, I would like to celebrate uh, Chicago's very, very brief false spring that we had over the weekend. It was 68 degrees on Saturday. I got my bike out of storage for the first time. I plugged in my little cell phone holster to the handlebars, and I just blasted Shostakovich's Eighth Symphony as I pedaled down the streets of my neighborhood. The feeling of power and freedom was indescribable, and then it snowed the next day. You are (laughs) such a strange young man. Ashley Hargrave. (laughs) Listen, I just need us to all take a moment and give thanks for the air fryer and the joy that it has brought to each and every one of our kitchens and our lives. I have a combination microwave, convection oven, air fryer, and it has changed my culinary game. I love a crispy piece of food, and I'm not afraid to say it. Amen. So in this Preach. in this time that we're in where everything is on fire and we're scared of everything, just remember, you've got an air fryer in your kitchen, <laughs> and you can make something that's crunchy. Also, savethechildren.org, and you can donate to kids in Ukraine. Earlier, I was giving props to Detroit Opera, putting opera in the D, and guess what I found? If you're on if you're on the podcast, you won't be able to see it. It's my old Detroit Red Wings hockey puck. Look at that red and white logo. Well, we're on the we're back. on the we're on the video. We can barely see it. It's so scratched up. So it's <laughs> fine. It says raise your hands. It's got the the uh, octopus, which is one of the Detroit Red Wings mascots. <laughs> That's it for this week's edition of America's Talk Radio Show about opera. Our announcer, he's Norm Waddell. NormWaddell.com. If you're watching on TDO, make sure you subscribe to the podcast to get our full show. On Stitcher and Spotify, you click follow. If you listen on Apple Podcasts, just hit the plus sign. Send us a voice memo. Email us your hot takes, operaboxscore at gmail.com. Get your voice heard. You're going to get an OBS beer coaster and an OBS lapel pin just for sharing your hot take. Our creative consultant is Oliver Camacho. Audio and video editor is Weston Williams. For your co-hosts, Matt Cummings and Ashley Hardgrave, I'm George Cedarquist, asking you to continue the conversation about opera while you name drop Casimir Pulaski. Just look it up, people. We're back with an all-new show next week when we get the brackets going in our annual March Madness of Opera series. Plus, you get more opera headlines, more hot takes, and more David McVicker. Join us 